I got recruited by a team of six men <laughs> that were a lot older than myself and they wanted me to be their captain. And we decided that we wanted to win this challenge for our company in Switzerland. So um, we had to do a lot of steps. So then I announced that I was going to run a half marathon and that's where like my half marathon career then started. <laughs> that's Beverly Asante Pushman and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Cara Duffy, a business coach and entrepreneur on a mission to help you live your most extraordinary life by showing you anything is possible. People who have mastered freedom, ease, and success for living their best and most ridiculous lives are often people you've never heard of until now. Running can be fun and rewarding, but we are often stopped from putting on our running shoes because we're nervous and scared, especially about that first mile. Luckily, today's guest, Beverly Asante Pushman, is here to help us. In addition to a successful career at IBM, she's a running coach and the author of Ace the Half, Run Your Best Half Marathon, Get in Shape, and finally tick Finish the Race off your bucket list. If you've never ran, are currently out of running shape, have run a few races, or you run regularly, you're sure to get new pro tips about running, habit building, and remembering what we're capable of. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hi, Cara. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you today. Let's tell everyone your name, where you are in the world, and what you're up to. Yeah, so my name is Beverly Asante Pushman. I'm in Switzerland, and I am a runner, a coach, a businesswoman, so that's kind of what I'm up to out here. <laughs> and you have a book out. Yes, I have a book out on half marathon running. And uh, yeah, so I guess my whole story started a, a, you know, a long time ago. <laughs> I was, uh, I, it started with nine years old and I started running. Well, actually even the book maybe before that, when I was six, I told my mom one day, like, you know, I'm going to write a book. And I um, was basically, when I was nine, I started kind of running um, competitively. Um, it was, it was a thing where our sports teacher would take us down to like the field and she would have us uh, run around this field. And I always wanted to get to the end first. And it was like a co-ed class. So I had to beat all the boys and there's always one boy I couldn't beat. <laughs> but then I, uh, I kind of that year that she announced a race and then I, um, I ended up, uh, I ended up racing and I won the race. And then the next year I had to defend my title, but won the race again. And that's where the whole thing like started as a runner. So, um, ran through college and then I ended up, uh, I kind of knew I didn't have enough discipline to like keep running after college. So I kind of quit cold Turkey from one day to the next. And then, um, I didn't run for 13 years, even though I met my husband a couple years after college and he kept saying, you know, Bev, you really got to like start running again. And I was like, oh man. And I, and I just didn't do it. And then it was like one day there was like the step challenge at work. We had the global corporate challenge and, um, we ended up, um, I got recruited by a team of six men <laughs> that were a lot older than myself and they wanted me to be their captain. So I became their captain and uh, and we decided that we wanted to win this challenge for our company in Switzerland. So um, we had to do a lot of steps. So then I announced that I was going to run a half marathon and that's where like my half marathon career then started. <laughs> I love this. So from one former college athlete to another, I know what it's like to mm. have fitness and teams and practice 
built into life. Like you don't really need to think about it. You just show up because you have to. And I know how hard it is to suddenly go like, I don't really need to do that anymore. Do I? Like I've been doing whatever practice and training for beyond a decade at this point. Maybe I deserve a break. Maybe there's something else I should look at. What was that journey for you when you said you went cold turkey from being a college athlete to being like, you know what? Like there's more, was it a, there's more to life or were you just kind of over it, like burnt out at that point? Oh yeah, actually, you know, it's kind of a bad end to be honest with you. I ended up catching a virus at the end of um, the college that really put me like out cold for about four months. So I had to leave college, like in my last year, had to then come back, you know, for fifth year and finish up college. So it was actually like, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty abrupt end. And it was kind of sad because it was the last year and we were, you know, hoping to go to the pen relays and we were hoping to do like really cool races. So it was kind of, it was really kind of upset but you know that's life those things happen and I think afterwards it was just it was just really hard you know because I'd been more or less you know sleeping like 16 hours a day so like you know fitness was like (laughs) at the all-time low you know and I you know graduated started work and it it felt like I didn't have a lot of time which like now I always think like oh my gosh I had so (laughs) much time back then so yeah I don't know it was just yeah And when you started, when you made the choice to run a half marathon, were you nervous? Yeah, you know, it was actually pretty funny because so the other part, I guess I didn't tell about the story about these these six gentlemen on my team, right? So they were a lot older, but they were all basically runners and cyclers. So they were all super Mm -hmm. fit, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that was like kind of, I was like, and since I'd been a runner in the past, it's like, well, you know, I could do that. And I have to get more steps. So, you know, I'd been a sprinter in college, but I'd done a couple of really long races or at least one. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I think I can do this. So, and then, but then I, when I made that declaration in the email to these six gentlemen, I was like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to like have to do this. <laughs> and I didn't really know how to train for a race like that. Like mm-hmm. I'd done one race that was around, you know, between a half marathon and a marathon. So I kind of knew I could run the distance, but you know, I, I didn't know how long it takes to train for a race like that. I didn't really know how to do it. So that was when it all started. I started like researching and like trying to figure out like, okay, how can I like get this done and, and do it? You know? So, yeah. Every time that I stop running and go back to it, it's always such a mental game for me because I, it, I get so scared because I know that that first mile or first three miles when you like it are going to suck. <laughs> like, yeah, they're going to be really bad. <laughs> there's no way around it. Like I, it's uh, my body's going to hurt. My lungs are going to hurt. My confidence is going to hurt. So for someone who has either never ran or hasn't ran in a long time, what tips would you give them for that first run yeah. they do? Okay. So I would say literally go super slow. Like if you think you're crawling and you're the slowest person in the world, you're probably got the right pace right now (laughs) because, you know, especially for that, like first one to three miles, Mm -hmm. like it does not need to be fast, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, a lot of runners, particularly when they're starting out, I mean, actually just a lot of runners that don't train with like their training zones actually go out way too fast. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like a pretty common mistake is that people train at a very high intensity, which is actually like then much harder to train a lot. But I would say like, you know, if you're running and putting like one step in front of the other, even if you're just fast walk, like that's good enough, you know? (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I am definitely one of those people who it's like walking or sprinting. So having a downshift is like, it's a whole other mental, you can only imagine the Pandora's box that opens up and it's like, well, why aren't you winning? Why aren't you going a hundred miles an hour? 
Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I mean, you know, even when I, you know, sometimes I have little breaks in my training too, you know, sometimes, you know, for example, during the pandemic, I also got pretty demotivated when I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, so kind of got derailed and I didn't really do as much running. And, you know, those first times that I went back out, I was like, oh my gosh, I am so slow, you know, but yeah, you know, it's fine. You just go and, and actually it, when you do set up your training zones as a runner, like mm-hmm. you'll find the lowest training zone where you do a lot of your running is actually so slow that it feels like unnatural to run that slow sometimes in the beginning when you're not used to it, you know, so. Well, and what does that mean for people who don't know? What are training yeah. zones? Yeah, so um, like, it's kind of like the intensity level at which you run. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for example, like uh, you would have like different intensities. So like, it depends a little bit on the zone system. Some zone systems have like seven zones, 10 zones. A lot of them have like three or five, you know? Mm-hmm. So like if you have a five zone system, then generally the lowest or the second zone is where you would do most of your aerobic training, depending on how they're set up. And mm-hmm. then like, you know, as you get more advanced, then you would do some faster intensities. So like maybe a zone three for like, you know, one run a week and then maybe some intro in a higher zone mm-hmm. so that just means how fast you're running basically and there's like also different ways to measure your intensity so like some people measure it by pace others by heart heart rate others by power others by like perceived intensity so there's different mm-hmm. ways of measuring it. okay um yeah I, I follow rich roll and he's talked about the lsd the long slow distance oh yeah and even him talking about it he's like i cannot believe i'm moving this slow like i'm going yeah. backwards mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how did you make the jump from being recruited to captain these six guys <laughs> to saying, you know what, like, I'm actually a great running coach? Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's yes, quite a leap, right? Well, so, you know, it takes, um, it takes you know, I think a lot of it, like, you know, a lot of the coaching I do is actually really informal. It's not like in a formal engagement or anything, but a lot of it is just like, you know, even talking to people who are runners um, and just, you know, and it's not even like, you know, so much coaching them, but, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, what about this? Or what about that? Or like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when I go out, this and that happens. And then I'll be like, oh, like, do you think about this? Or like, oh, wow. And then like, you know, their perspective changes. Mm -hmm. So I think like as a coach or like, you know, even in anything that you do, one of the most rewarding things is if you can like change someone's perspective on something and they're like, oh, wow, I just like learned something, you know? <laughs> so so yeah. do you have a count going somewhere where you're like converted them to running, converted them to running? <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably should keep a count, but no, no, I don't. Um, yeah. It's a uh, Yeah. For some people, it's really like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Like, I want to do it. And then for other people, it's like more like it takes time to marinate Mm -hmm. the idea, you know, Um, I think for some people, they're kind of like, or I think, you know, especially when it comes to like a half marathon or marathon, like there's plenty of people out there. They're like, I could never run that far. Right. And I had such an interesting conversation with somebody and they said, you know, when he started running, he decided to run a half marathon because he, um, uh, he had a friend who had a very, very serious accident and needed to be airlifted. And this organization was a nonprofit organization that did it. And he wanted to donate to, to this charity. And so he said, you know, Bev, I could like not even run to the nearest lamppost outside my house. Like that's, you know, and I didn't think I could do this, but he wanted to donate. So he figured it out, you know, the helping someone realize that they can do it. They can do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, the human body is so amazing from the sense of how much, you know, we, it's, it's not a 50, 50 mental to physical. 
It's usually a 90-10. <laughs> I think it's like a 95-5 or, you know, depending where in the race you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, no, it, can, it really can't be. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, most of it is mental game. I mean, and I think that's what's also so interesting about running is like, you know, you also really get to know yourself. And, you know, a lot of times when you're running or racing or preparing for a long race, you're actually spending a lot of time on your own. I mean, some people mm-hmm. train with a buddy, but, you know, when you're training for longer distances, a lot of times it's hard to get schedules to match that so you're always running with somebody so mm-hmm. I think it takes you know you you learn that mental game basically yeah and then what compelled you to create the book yeah so it was also like through these conversations I was having with people and I also it, I just realized it was really interesting but I was talking to like some really experienced runners I mean I'm talking or like you know really successful runners they were running like 130 half marathons, which is like a pretty good time, right? And they had um so some one person I talked to, I was really surprised, but they'd never heard of a training plan. And I was like, wow, how are you like running? You know, like so like really kind of things yeah. that I, as a coach you would consider like pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Um these pretty successful runners like hadn't hadn't weren't leveraging these like tools in their toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, I've read, like, I'm a bit of a geek. So when I get into a new topic, I read like everything on it that I can find. I thought, well, you know, I've collected so much information. It was like, let me put this together for somebody who like wants to get started or maybe mm-hmm. somebody who's been running, but hasn't done it in a very structured way. And it's like the book, Scott, you know, more or less covers all the basic topics that you kind of need to, to, you know, run a half marathon, right? Okay. And it's, the book is great for anyone who has run one before or someone who's never ran. Yeah. I mean, it could be used by either. So it could be like literally used by somebody who's never run ever before, you know, not even yeah. just the, not a half marathon, but like never run before, or it could be used by somebody who's maybe run a half marathon or two, but it didn't kind of work out the way they want. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they like didn't have a good race or, you know, want to do it in a more structured way, want to improve their time. So, I mean, it's, it's targeted mainly to people who are getting started or maybe have done one mm-hmm. or two, um, you know, the information probably won't be a great surprise to very experienced runners. Mm-hmm. But um, even then, I, I mean, I, people have read it and said, well, you know, even if you're more experienced, you can learn a lot. So, yeah. Well, and from the re- little research that I did, I see that you went from Duke to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious, how did you end up in Zurich? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, it's kind of funny, but I, I know I sound American, but <laughs> I actually grew up here. So, <laughs> yeah, so actually, my background is pretty mixed. Um, mm-hmm. My mother is Swiss. My father is from Ghana, but I am also an American citizen because I was born in America. My parents studied there. And so mm-hmm. I actually... Um, I do. I am also American citizen, but I did come here when I was three years old and did grow up here. So actually going to Duke was like going abroad for me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, then I ended up going to Connecticut. I worked there for four years mm-hmm. and then I came back to Switzerland. I just I met my husband who's German and uh, somehow it, I, we came back here. <laughs> so. so everyone's, you know, Sprechen Sie Deutsch all together. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, but I think it's uh, people have an impression of what Switzerland is. And I think the piece that people miss a lot when they're stereotyping Switzerland is how um, how many people have a fit hobby. Like there's lots uh, of people who do run or cycle or there's always an element of like hiking, being outside. Like it's just kind of ingrained into that's what you do as part of your day that I think it's overlooked sometimes, especially in the... Zurich part of Switzerland. Um, I have, I used to work in footwear and apparel. 
So I have a lot of people now that are at the On company, which is based there. Mm -hmm. I lived in Germany for a while. So it's there's this um, Sportmachen culture that I think mm -hmm. gets stepped over when we're thinking about like Swiss, like banks and luxuries and, mm -hmm. you know, where to hide your money. And you're like, there's so much more <laughs> to Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, sports is definitely a big thing here. And it's also true in Germany too. I mean, mm -hmm. I spent a little bit of time in Germany if my husband's German, but um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a very, you know, I would say very fit country, a lot of endurance yeah. sports, you know, it's also a lot of mountain sports, you know, skiing, mm -hmm. um, uh, cross country skiing and like all sorts of people really do enjoy doing sports here. And, and mm -hmm. we used to be, I think some time ago, the skinniest Europeans, more or less. <laughs> I don't know if that's still the case, but, you know, we're getting a bit rounder here too. But, you know, in general, it's a relatively, um, you know, fit country. Yeah. Yeah. How, how is that like, bred into the psyche? Like, is it something that starts through elementary school? Is it generational? Like, how was, how was running and, and fitness introduced to you um, mm -hmm. where it became second nature? Wow, that's interesting. You know, it's actually, I can't even speak. I don't even know because yes, mm -hmm. well, okay. So in school, um, you do in the public school, you have sports um, two times a week normally in primary school. So they normally mm -hmm. do swimming and uh, and gym. Mm -hmm. And then even now my son's like in seventh grade, they still do gym twice a week. So mm -hmm. it's, it's somehow there. For me, mm -hmm. I went partly to the public school, partly to private schools. And I was in a boarding school for the last six years and uh, a British boarding school in Switzerland. But we actually had sports in seventh grade, I think four times a week, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it came, it was, we did a lot of outdoor activities. We did a lot of skiing. We did a lot mm -hmm. of, um, you know, all kinds of sports. So for me, I had that, you know, a lot of sports all the way through high school. And then I mm -hmm. think in the last two years, we did like two times a week sports. So yeah. and there was a lot of activities on the weekend. You had to go on expeditions and stuff like that. So for me, it was part of life. But then, like I said, I knew if it wasn't like in a structured framework, it was just going to like fall off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I'm sure people who are listening are very curious how growing up in Switzerland and then going to a British boarding school in Switzerland how you have such a great American accent versus a British <laughs> accent. I know, right? Uh, well, so the truth of the matter is uh, my accent was a lot more British before I went to America. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I, I would say, uh, maybe it wasn't fully British, but it was a lot more mid-Atlantic than now. <laughs> yeah. Then I lived, you know, I lived in the U.S. from 18 to 27. So it really um, became very American very fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. And, you know, I think when people are having their corporate jobs or even being entrepreneurs, finding space and justifying space for running and fitness becomes hard. Like it's, it's not, you don't get points for being fit mm. at work. Usually it's like, how late did you stay? Are you traveling? Like pushing more into sacrificing yourself tends to be the Western way to be more acknowledged. Mm -hmm. I love that your company was having competitive sports mm -hmm. rewards also yeah. to encourage people. So how have you um, set up your schedule and made running a priority for you? And how can others do that who are seeking? Yeah. It? Yeah. So, I mean, 
you know, it also, it always depends on your life situation. And, you know, because when my son was younger, I mean, I'm not a morning person at all, but I kind of turned myself into a morning person for about 10 years. And it was probably the worst decision of my life because it doesn't work for me. You know, it was really, the turning point was probably one and a half years ago. When my my husband said, you know, Beverly, I don't think practicing cello at seven in the morning is for you. <laughs> I mean, with my son, you know, and so he's like, I think I'll take that over and you sleep, you know, but yeah, no, I mean, in that time when I was getting up early, a lot of times I would get out and go on my runs before work. So, you know, I would get to work around, I don't know, like nine, eight 30. And then I would go for a run before that. So I'd be up pretty early. I'd be like getting out there around probably like seven or a little earlier. And, you know, and I'd get like all these things done before nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and, you know, now that doesn't really work for me anymore. So I tend to run over lunch. And then um, if I, what, it was harder to do is to run after work, but sometimes my schedule doesn't allow me to do anything else. So I'll just do it after work. Mm-hmm. And on the weekend, I try to slot it in, you know, whenever it fits. But I think the important thing is when people pick their schedule or commit to doing a race mm-hmm. or preparing for something is um, it's just to schedule it every week. So like, you know, I have this routine where every Sunday I go through my entire private and work schedule and then mm-hmm. I put everything on one paper and I schedule in like, you know, all my preparation time for work meetings, but then I also schedule in time, like, when am I going to do my workouts? Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I know like tomorrow, okay, it's going to be a busy day. So it's going to be after work. And today I was going to yeah. do it after work. And I have to be honest, I forgot. So I didn't do it. <laughs> it doesn't always work out perfectly either. Like something came up and then it just, mm-hmm. you know, slipped, but in general, put it in your schedule. That's my advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I'm just curious more about you as well, right? You, you are, you've had this running history. You've, you're a running coach or advisor. If you don't want to call yourself a coach, Um, you've written this book about running to help other people get into it. You've had a long and successful career as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're a mom, you're a wife, like you, you really have what seems like a well-rounded life. Um, where, you know, what are, what do you consider your biggest victories and, and where are you kind of, what are you shooting for next? Okay. Wow. Biggest victories. <laughs> That's really difficult. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, I think it's really simple. I think my biggest victory right now, I think, you know, we have such a great family life as a, you know, with my husband, with my son. And I think honestly, like that's a foundation for probably everything I and we do in mm-hmm. in our life, you know. So I think that is like a, re- a really big victory to me, you know. And it doesn't have to be something I do at work or, or you know. But and what I'm heading for next is, um, you know, I just want to. I do it on the side, the coaching and the running. Mm-hmm. But I just want to inspire um, so many more people to turn to running. And you know, there's all kinds of reasons why people come to running, and people come to running because you know, they will have a bucket list item or because they want to get or stay fit. You know, some people have had like adverse life events and they've just decided like, oh my gosh, like, you know, let me turn to running or they've had like a health scare or like, you know, their doctors told them you should exercise. There's all kinds of reasons, but a lot of people come to running and then really find this joy in it. And I think that's like my goal. It's just to you know, get as many people running as possible and to find joy in it and find this, you know, for me, when I run, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I have to push myself to go on a run as well. It's not like, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, I'm going to go like, you know, it's, it's still have to push myself every time, you know, but when I come back, I feel so good. You know, I come out of the shower and I'm like, wow, I feel good. And, you know, you sleep well those nights and it just, it feels so good, you know? Mm -hmm. I know. I, 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 whether it's running or, something else that people think they can't achieve. 
there's nothing more satisfying to me than showing people what they can do. Yes. It's proving people wrong is really fun too, but like really it's <laughs> showing people that they can do it, especially when you can see it and they can't. Yeah. There's, there's just this magic of being like, no, no, like I, it's safe over here. I know it is. Trust yeah. me, do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, um, there's so much access, you know, people will often ask me, how do I get more confident? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the only way you can get more confident is do something that you think is scary or you don't want to do or you're not going to be good at. Like you have to, you have to be putting yourself in situations that you don't know how it's going to go. Otherwise, yeah. we already know the answer. So we, we can't give ourselves any new points. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, it's like, it's that pulling yourself out of the comfort zone. I mean, it's like our... um uh, so Ginny Rometty, you know, she was a CEO of IBM for I think almost 10 years. And she always said, you know, comfort and growth don't coexist. Right. And it's so true. I mean, you know, you can't do something or, you know, gain some perspective if you don't do something that's out of your out of your comfort zone, you know. So, yeah, you know, I I, I always remember that, too. And I, I think you have to just try something new. And that's why I did that with the half marathon, right? I figured, you know, people can do it. So I'll figure it out. <laughs> I have two legs and they move. So, you know, so there's got to be a way to do it. <laughs> so. I love the simplicity of that. I have two legs and other people can do it. Let's go. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, sometimes you just got to believe in it. <laughs> yeah. It, it really is the leap of faith of, of like humans can do this. So I'm a human. I can do it. <laughs> Well, and especially I think we make uh, marathons and half marathons and even a 5K, we we make it so significant. Like yeah. we mentally add so, we make it hard. Yeah. Like the, the you know, half marathons not over here like, I'm scary. No, it's just, it's not changing. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. But we make it mean things. I know like when someone, someone asked me to do a 5K recently and I was like, how hilly is it? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, and yeah. they're, they're like, it's really hilly. I'm like, I think I'm going to skip that one. Cause I, <laughs> right now Hills and I, I don't know if we're friends. Go give me six more months. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but it's funny how we, we say no to it. And a friend of mine ran it and he was like, yeah, it totally sucked, but I finished it. It was fine. It was just yeah. okay. I know. You know, it's actually really interesting. Like my mom used to say this one thing to me that I always thought was so clever. Um, so, you know, sometimes I come home and, and you know, I, I wanted to get stuff right. And like, you know, I, I would have to do this maybe task for school or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really like, you know, a mom, I don't know how to do this. And I might even like break out in tears or whatever. And then uh, my mom would always say, well, Bev, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And I was like, I think I always gave the same answer. I don't know. You know, I played that answer like 50 times. And then she'd say, well, how do you eat an elephant? And I was like, I don't know. And then she'd say, it's very simple, Beverly, one bite at a time. You know, it's like, it's like that, you know, you get to a half marathon by running one step at a time. And the first day yeah. you go out on training, you're not going to go for a 20 K run or a 13 K run. Like it's going to be a lot shorter. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so you build up and, and that's why it's not really as scary. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like always that I tell people when they say, well, I'm not fit enough to say, well, start with a catch to 5k, you know, you're running like 60 seconds in your first run, you know, so, and you yeah. build up from there. Right. So there's a really great, um, habit book that I read recently, the name of which I'm not remembering at the moment. So I'll put it in the show notes, but the guy said, if you want to start a new habit, you have to give yourself the, a ceiling. Like mm-hmm. you're only allowed to run for one minute. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and after you've funny. done a week of one minute, you're allowed to mm-hmm. go to five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's similar to the the run, the run in your zone two mm-hmm. idea yeah. of like it, you can't push yourself. And because you can't push yourself, it's like this frustration of like, it, it, it's psychologically saying, well, I can do more. Why am I not just doing more? And because you can't until you've proven you can do the consistency, then yeah, you cool. are allowed to step into um, like wanting to do more because nobody, as you said, nobody wants to run in the moment. Yeah. And so if you're only allowed to run to the lamppost for yeah. a week, you'll be like, well, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I think it's true. I mean, you got to set yourself, I mean, it's good to stretch yourself, but also set yourself goals that you can reach, right? I mean, yeah. you know, something, and that's actually really clever. I'd never thought about it that way, but I, I can imagine that that could be quite motivating if you cap yourself at the top end, if it's a yeah. really manageable goal, because then you're like, well, you know, now I can't. And then next to you want to do more. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's similar to, have you heard of the 75 hard challenge? <clears throat> Sounds familiar, but I can't remember. An entrepreneur created it where for 75 days, there's five things that you have to do. You have to exercise twice for a minimum of 45 minutes. One mm-hmm. has to be outside. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stick to a, whatever diet you choose. Mm-hmm. You have to read five, 10 pages of a book. Mm-hmm. You have to drink a gallon of water. There's no alcohol. So those mm-hmm. are the things for 75 days. And if you mm-hmm. miss one, you have to start back at zero. Wow. And oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's, I did it last year. It sounds way harder than it is because most of us are doing some of those things already. Mm-hmm. Um, so in like reading 10 pages, even if you're a slow reader, it doesn't actually take that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, drinking the gallon of water, like, and even the giving up alcohol was actually the easiest part because you just didn't have to do something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was the well, last thing up. to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but even with that of like having it set up and like, can I do it for this amount of time? It was it was really interesting seeing the consistency um, because you can, I think we get this idea in our heads that we have to work out for two hours a day. Otherwise yeah. we're not going to be fit. And yeah. it's like, yeah, but if you do five minutes of core for 365 yeah. days. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, like I know. We, we don't let ourselves count these micro yeah. consistency moments as great habits that actually stay. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. And also like doing things, I think every day is almost easier than doing them on alternate days. Because yeah. for example, like I tend to run five t- times a week. But what I actually find worse, the worst is Monday when I don't run, because then I feel like I really want to run on Monday. And then by the time mm-hmm. it gets to choose, I'm like, I wanted to run yesterday, not today. <laughs> so it's like, it's like actually harder to take a day off because it mm-hmm. feels like you're breaking the chain, you know? And like, if you talk about streaking, then it's like doing it every day. And yeah. so I feel like if it's every day, on the other hand, I have to admit, I think there's like people that are like super disciplined that can do things like regularly every day. I'm like more the kind of person that would like do all of it at once and then not for the next month. Like I'm not so good at like every day a little bit, but I had to learn that. And I, Mm -hmm. I not perfect at it, but I tried to. I'm not either. And there's actually a great book. I have it behind me. Let me see if I can grab Mm -hmm. it without my headphones falling off. Um, Better than before by Gretchen Rubin. Okay. She's she's also the author of the Happiness Project, which is a great book. Ah, uh, yeah. 
But this this book is so interesting because it goes into all the different types of people we might be from a habit perspective, like uh, spender, saver, um, consistent versus like, do you need it to be, are you an all nothing person? Or are you a moderation person? I like the idea of consistent everyday discipline. Mm-hmm. And then I do it for a while and I'm like, uh, this is boring. so it's like this flow like even like I have a love-hate relationship even with like should I eat breads and or not I'm like well when I'm in Europe I'm not gonna say no to bread Mm. or wine because it's really good there but do I need it every day no yeah so it's like how it's like I'm trying to figure out for myself like how to play the 80 percent of the time game and see if it actually works versus every day. I'll come back and let you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious if that's like the five times a week training versus the seven. (laughs) Well, I even heard an idea recently where instead of saying like, I'm going to work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, like, which a lot of people will pick, like, like you said, the alternating days that you just say, I have to work out five days a week. And you can either start on Monday or you can start later but like you have so you choose is it five times in a row or is it five times when like you have to decide or if it's like you have to get five workouts in so if you don't do it till Saturday looks like you're gonna do five that's it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean that might work for some types of fitness but you know for example especially with running where you sometimes have really hard running days then you kind of need a break every so often because you know also like Mm -hmm. if you let's say did all of it on one day you'd be in trouble Oh, you'd yeah. be doing like <laughs> intervals, a long run, tempo run, and <laughs> yeah. easy runs. You'd be, you'd be at it for a while. <laughs> that, that's like shin splint city. Uh-huh. Yeah, shin splint city. Yeah, it would certainly mm-hmm. not be a particularly good idea, I would say. <laughs> no. You know, so many people are also talking now about how important like strength training is and as well as mental training with a meditation yep. practice or something. Mm-hmm. What else do you incorporate into your, you know, running routine in quotes? Because I'm sure it's more than just running. Like you mentioned, you schedule it. So that's one yeah. habit. But yeah. what else is in that routine for you? Okay. So now you've asked me a question. <laughs> so you you caught me here because, <laughs> because I have to admit, I'm really, really lucky. I don't get injured when I run. I, it's, I've had very, very few injuries. I have had mm-hmm. the one or the other but mm-hmm. really few. And so I can get away. I know myself pretty well. And I'm, when I have anything, I stop immediately. But no, mm-hmm. I, I can get away without doing a whole bunch of other stuff, right? But yeah. you know, this works for some people. And for many people, it doesn't work, right? Yeah. But so if I was really going to do everything that I was supposed to do, then I'd be stretching and rolling and doing my core routines as well, right? And so yeah. sometimes when I'm really like preparing for a race, and I, I want to do really well, then I will do the strength training. But mm-hmm. it does, you know, I think a lot of runners find like they like to run and they don't like all the other stuff you know so I actually enjoy it but I just find it's a lot of time commitment so like you Mm -hmm. know you're already spending quite a lot of time running because you're preparing for a race you might be running you know if you're being a bit more competitive maybe anywhere from six upwards hours I mean when it gets really towards the end of training so Mm -hmm. then 
trying to fit in like, you know, core training and stretching. And it seems like a lot, even though it would be very beneficial, <laughs> but you know, I know for some people it's essential, right? Because, you know, for yeah. example, my husband, he's, um, he's a bit injury prone and he says, I only run every other day, maximum never. So maximum three times a week, but he mm-hmm. definitely always rolls. He always stretches. He yeah. he's doing his, all his, you know, muscle routines and everything. But yeah. yeah. So for some people they can get away with it. It's not particularly advisable necessarily, but <laughs> You know, I'll I'll be honest. I, that's what I'm doing most of the time as well. Yeah. And how have you approached fitness as a family? Like, do you guys go out on family runs? Is it everyone's like, okay, we're all leaving the house. Everyone figure out yeah. your sport. Bye. Yeah. Well, um, no, we actually did do that. So when my son was younger, he, you know, didn't want to run with us. He would take his bicycle and come along. So mm-hmm. for a while, for a while, we would run all together sometimes on Sunday. Um, but then, you know, at some point my husband got a lot fitter than I, <laughs> than I was. <laughs> so then for him, it was a little boring to run that. No, it was also mainly because he was actually preparing for a race. So he needed to run yeah. in the correct intensity zone, you know? So mm-hmm. then, um, so then I was kind of going out on my own, but then, uh, you know, for quite a few runs on Saturdays, like a, a short run, my son would come along and we actually quite yeah. enjoyed like chatting, you know, we take AirPods and, uh, mm-hmm. listen to music and chat at the same time, you know, like one each. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, no, it's definitely, um, we we do we like to hike together as well and we mm-hmm. like to ski together every so often so we do do sports as a family as well yeah. um it would be nice to do even more and it would be really cool if we're all at the same fitness level <laughs> but you know I'm used to it He's, my son's 11 now at some point they're both going to be much faster than I am you know but that's okay you know so. well that's what I think is is the hardest part especially for competitive people mm-hmm. um you know when you're out there running it's like you, like when you're at those different paces, it's like either someone has to hang back and like let you catch up or you're constantly thinking like I should be running fa- as fast as them. Uh, so I do think it's really interesting to see how that plays into the habit forming and then what it looks like. I know for myself, if I'm running in a group, I'm always sticking with it more than, than by myself. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's because I like, I do like having the competitiveness of we're all kind of pushing ourselves, but it's also a great social opportunity to just connect and run and chat and kind of check off a couple of things at once mm-hmm. of catching up with friends and getting the run in and getting outside. And it's, it's a different level of, of activity for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think running groups are a great thing. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people can benefit from them. For some people, it fits in the schedule. For other people, yeah. it's like really difficult. Like, I also just feel like I want to spend dinner time with my family. And a lot of the running groups are during dinner time. Mm-hmm. So I've not tried it so far here, but I could definitely see how it's beneficial. But it's just like it's making that trade off of having dinner with a family yeah. or being out on a run with some with other people, yeah. you know, so. Sounds like a good opportunity for a mom running club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Well, I'm curious to know, so you have the book out now. Um, Where can people get it, find it, and how can they just reach out to you and ask questions as well? Yeah, so the book is um, Ace to Half. You can get it on on Amazon and many other online books 
retailers and sometimes in the store as well. And I can be found at I love to run and race.com or also on facebook.com. I love to run and race. So mm-hmm. you can find me in those two places. And if you want to ask questions, I also have a contact form on my website. So you can mm-hmm. uh, reach out to me there. And I, I absolutely reply to all comments and questions I get. So <laughs> happy to hear from you. Um, I also have like, um, if for people that are interested, there's like a little mm-hmm. quiz on my on my website. So you can find out how ready you are to run a half marathon if you're interested. Um, and otherwise, if you just want to hear from me every so often, you can sign up to my newsletter and hear from me there. <laughs> I love that. Well, being the powerful runner and career woman and mother and wife that you are, um, what does powerful mean to you? And does the definition change when it's next to the word ladies? Wow. Okay. Powerful. Okay. So I think powerful for me and my definition, like I'm a person that Mm -hmm. likes to change things and I like to change them for the better. So I think, you know, I feel the most powerful when I've been able to create change and make change and change something for the better. I think that's what powerful is to me. And in terms of ladies, I mean, I really like, you know, what's been happening Mm -hmm. um, with women kind of getting, I wouldn't say more power, but like, you know, getting a bit more equal, you know, in the workplace, but also Mm -hmm. just, I see a lot of positive movements. And so actually this is like a very good combination. You know, I just, I I see so many powerful women um, out there and, you know, people can be powerful in so many ways, you know, and it's just nice to see that people are finding their power. (laughs) Well, we asked everyone on the podcast where you put yourself on the powerful lady scale if zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you rank yourself today and on average? Oh, today and on average. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think, okay, so maybe I'll answer it differently. <laughs> I'll say when I, when I really get a lot done and I change things that I could say, I feel very powerful and I'm at a 10, right? <laughs> so where do I feel on average? Um, I don't know. I, you know, you have days where you feel less powerful and days where you feel more mm-hmm. powerful. So maybe like around a seven or eight, you know, somewhere in that range. Um, and I'd like to think that I'd like to have more days that are a 10, but you know, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Love that. Well, it has been such a pleasure to meet you and to share your story and you have inspired me to rethink my relationship for, with running right now. Um, <laughs> I'm excited and nervous to take your quiz on your website because I'm afraid of what it might tell me. I got a lot of work to do, I think, will be the answer. Um, but I also know that running feels amazing and it's fun. And because of running, I've got to see some amazing places in the world. So there's so much that it, that it can give to you. There is a, a man I had the pleasure of meeting recently who said, who's retired, and he said, you know what, the game I'm playing now is how can I be fully um, physically independent at 95? Mm -hmm. And having something that you're consistent with like running is one way to make that happen. So thank you for sharing your skills and knowledge with everybody. And I'm excited to see who else is ready to start running now. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure talking to you today. So it was really nice being here. Thank you. connect with Beverly and her book, Ace the Half, are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and bonus, leave us a rating and review. 
Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, please visit caraduffy.com or on Instagram at Kara underscore Duffy. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and a new amazing guest. Until then, I hope you're taking on me powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.